everyone, and welcome to the Payments Association's Payments Pod, the show that connects you to some of the most greatest personalities in the payments sector and keeps you one step ahead on innovation and trends. I'm Angela Haynes, the Head of Content at the Payments Association. In today's episode, I am joined by Darren Deal, the Senior Vice President of Fintech, Digital Partnerships and Government for UK and Ireland at MasterCard. We'll be discussing the ins and outs of technological innovation, 5G, machine learning, blockchain, cloud computing, the Internet of Things, and big data. Listeners will also gain a special insight at the end, so be sure to be listening all the way through for the details. So Darren, thanks for joining me. I'd love to know what excites you the most about the work you do. (laughs) Well, it's it's a great first question. I don't know. I think what I'd say is in the role that I've now got, I get to work with the most innovative companies out there. I mean, companies that just want to drive change through innovation and make a real difference to everybody's daily life. We all know that fintech has driven a great deal of the innovation we see today through products and services that really are bringing a real difference and real value to our consumers, which is fantastic to see and brilliant to be a part of. I think working with such great partners who are aligned with our own vision around doing well by doing good through programs um, that are addressing, you know, the important things like the ESG agenda, supporting inclusive growth. They're all delivering solutions that make all of our lives just that kind of little bit easier. I think the pace of the fintech partners always blows me away, to be quite honest, you know, really does blow me away. Sitting in a room with somebody, talking through a, a product idea they may have, from that initial discussion right through to it being in the market within probably no more than months. You know, it's just revolutionary from where we were uh, sort of five years ago. And it's always, always really exciting to be on that ride, right? It's, you know, there's nothing better than sitting on that tube train and seeing that product you were talking about three months ago up there on, on the billboard. So it's just, it's just brilliant. What I'd also say is Mastercard support with FinTech from its early days in prepaid right through to where we are now. And our appetite and our focus has only grown. And for me, is, you know, fintech is is really where it is. And that's why I'm really pleased to be in the role that I'm now doing. But the role that I'm now doing isn't just fintech. It also expands digital partnerships, government. And we're engaging there with partners who maybe aren't led by the need to issue a card program. You know, we have the, the products, the services, the know-how, the expertise to be able to help them solve those challenges that they have. So we look forward to working with those partners and, you know, if that leads to a financial card product, it does. But really what we're looking to do is to be able to solve real consumer challenges that these businesses have so that all the consumers are able to do whatever it is they wish to do online, but in a little bit more seamless way, a little bit more safety around what it is they're choosing to do. So, you know what, I think it's a big part of payments. And all I can say is, is you know, I reiterate it, fintech is where it's at. And that's really what's got me excited in the role that I'm, I'm now doing. Well, yes, absolutely. And fintech and innovation is something we'll definitely touch on uh, later in the conversation. But as you mentioned, you cover a wide breadth of um, different areas as part of your role. So what keeps you on your toes? Well, what keeps me on my toes? I think what I've come to realise very quickly in this role is simply the pace of innovation. I mean, the pace of innovation is relentless. Our customers, their customers, the consumers. They all expect more, and rightly so. They expect us to be on the journey with them. And they're trying, like I said already, they're trying to make a real change. So, you know, innovation never stops and the pace of innovation never slows. That's enough, really, to keep you on your toes. I think 
my role, really, my role in all of this is really to ensure that MasterCard remain the partner of choice with our partners, right? That we're there to support our customers with the right level of support, guidance, so that, you know, our customers are equipped to meet the evolving consumer needs and behaviours. And certainly, probably, I'd say, yeah, certainly enough to keep me on my toes. It's probably the one thing that keeps me on my toes. It's certainly not the only thing. If we were to go into all of those, I think we'd probably find ourselves um, running on for a couple of hours. So I think I'll just leave it there. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But you work closely with a lot of issuers. What has your experience taught you? What has helped you in your current role? I've been at MasterCard for a long time, been in this industry for over three decades. And most of that has been in customer-facing roles. And, you know, the one thing that's always been really clear to me is the need for mutual partnerships, mutual partnerships that are aligned on values and shared ambitions. And I think finding a way to make that work really delivers the success for both parties. I think this does change. It's fair to say this changes from customer to customer. Not all customers are the same. But for me, it really is the cornerstone from what success is built on. Now, at MasterCard, we understand fintech is different and has different needs to the large traditional banks. You know, Typically, they don't have large experience payment teams. Therefore, our role is to support them until they, they're able to scale and build those sort of teams for themselves. So not only do we offer what I'd like to term as best-in-class account management, and I'll let others um, challenge it if they see, see fit, but also the MasterCard organization extends support through the programs that we offer, such as Start Path, where we work with organizations that have had probably around 10 million of investment already to help them really scale their business and we do that through connecting them to the partners we have globally through our franchise. And then, you know, we have a, a fintech partner network. Fintech enablers around the world are able to access the MasterCard network, integrate with our products and services right off the bat so that they're better equipped to offer those to their customers when they make the sale. And then I think the final one I've probably mentioned is the fintech community. You know, community is everything. Sharing of ideas is everything. And I think, you know, any... I don't think, I know, every um, fintech is able to sign up to the community. And it's a community where, you know, you'll get like-minded companies, people can stay informed on what's happening around the world, stay connected to peers and develop their global knowledge around what's happening. So for me, if you haven't picked up on it already, partnership is king. I think partnership is everything. And if you have strong partnership, you can get through pretty much everything. Yeah, absolutely. But with partnerships, I mean, you must have seen so much change in your career at MasterCard and across the wider payments industry. But I'm curious to know, what do you think has evolved the fastest in 2022? And what are you most excited about for 2023? Mm, Okay, a a double-header question. I'm liking the the change of gear there. Um, (laughs) Let me take the 2022 first. So there's been a couple of things, right? It's been quite a year, as is so many of the years just recently. I think in 2022, a couple of things really probably come to mind. I think the first is buy now, pay later. If you and I were doing a podcast like this three years ago around what's going to happen over the next three years in payments, I think the buy now, pay later at best probably would have been a footnote on that podcast. And seemingly almost out of nowhere, we see it everywhere. Consumers love it. Consumers engaging with it. And it's really thrown the gauntlet down to the traditional methods of credit lending. I think this in turn will probably drive further innovation across payments, certainly around the the credit lending space. Secondly, which is the change in UK debit share that we've seen this year. Over the past few years, 
several UK high street banks have decided to move their portfolio to debit MasterCard. And the reason I mention this is that it's drastically changed you know, MasterCard's debit share throughout 2022. It ensures MasterCard now have a strong share across all segments, whether that be debit, credit, commercial, and of course, fintech that we'll come on to in a bit. But we're well positioned now to support our customers and their consumers. And I think that's good for, for everybody. I think finally, the biggest impact, I think, in 2022 is simply the massive shift we have seen to digital. You know, we all know probably the key drivers behind why that has happened. And I'm not going to go into those now. But for me, it's fundamentally changed payments forever. You and I um, go through this conversation. We'll have a little bit more on that um, a little later. And what about 2023? Is it the digital payments that excites you the most? I oh, see. The double headers come back and, and got me there. <laughs> I was trying to sidestep that and walk straight into it. So thanks for the reminder. And um, I think I'm on a bit of a self-serving um, role here because for me, it's got to be the new role that I now find myself in. You may not know, but previously I, I led Mastercard's prepaid team between 2011 and 2018, which has now morphed into you know the fintech business of today. Having stepped away for, for a couple of years, uh, you know, I'm no mathematician, but I would say around four years, um, I'm delighted to come back into it with the expanded role that's now also including digital partnerships and government. But it's really great, you know, it's really, really great to step back into such a, a vibrant and innovative part of the payments ecosystem. And it's really, really great to reconnect with people I've worked with and we've achieved much in the past. But there's also so many new companies, so many more new people to meet. And, you know, I really am looking forward to, to connecting with those individuals, really understanding what they're looking to achieve. Like I say, innovation never stops. People always have new, fresh ideas. And what part MasterCard can play in, in just bringing that to life. And, you know, that really, I, I find, is um, it, it's just so exciting. So much has changed and nothing has changed, probably, is how I would depict it. And there's new people, there's new companies, there's new challenges and opportunities. But in the end, the energy, the commitment, the dedication, it's there in buckets, right? It's just, uh, I think 2023 for me will bring something new every day. And now what I would say is that's probably worth getting quite excited about and getting out of bed for every single day. Yes, 2023 is definitely going to bring something new every day. And, you know, at the forefront of that is definitely the fintechs and the innovation that comes out of them. So moving on to sort of technology, innovation and the investment that will underpin the progress of the sector, especially over the coming decade and how it tackles many of the big challenges we all face now. So with technology being critical infrastructure for today's commerce, are there any macro technology trends that you are keeping an eye on yourself? Oh, yeah, I mean, there's certainly, um, you're right, right, innovation, macro trends, there's there's plenty of them. And um, I've got a few, again, that, that come to mind. And I think there's no doubt that we're in an age of emerging technology, right? There's no doubt about that. And I think it will catapult us forwards in both commerce and, and, and payments themselves. The tech changes, though, are built on the emerging infrastructure of enabling technology. And I think the ones that I'll just quickly run through the ones that, that come to mind, I think they tell quite a, a nice story. And yeah, let's start with one that we've all heard plenty about, and that's 5G. It seems like we've been talking about 5G for ages, and I think we'll continue to talk about 5G for ages more. But the, the shift has been gradual, and I think it probably will still remain a gradual shift. But you know, with the focus of 5G into major urban centres in advanced economies, such as the UK, I think it's fair to say that by 2025, we're probably 
should expect around 50% of all mobile data connections to be 5G. And why, why is this important? You know, why is it so important? Well, 5G would introduce what I'd probably determine as a generational shift in data capability. You know, there's going to be higher speeds that are, you know, will blow away what we see today on our 4G networks. There's going to be lower latency. And there's going to be so many more connectivity options available. I think there's no doubt that 5G would enable new use cases right across multiple industries and their verticals, bring in new opportunities in payments, in retail, healthcare, probably insurance, media. I could probably rattle off you know, another 50 industries 5G is really going to have an impact on. So with 5G, naturally, there's going to be some changes to human behavior, how technology is used. So how do you see things unfolding, for example, over the Internet of Things? You know, what does this mean for companies wanting to scale, for example? How do companies scale in this? A lot of that is around the reduction of the cost of cloud-based computing. Companies pretty much now of any size can scale and compete. The price has plummeted and now they're able to do that. And I think that's going to be bringing increased competition, innovation, consumer choice, all those things we really want to see coming forwards. The other thing I would talk to here is big data. And in, in your introduction, you mentioned big data. And I think it's worth mentioning. And again, like a lot of these things that we're talking about here, they are terms that have been around for so long. I remember having conversations about these for so many years. With the underpinning technology now, I think it's really becoming a reality. You know, the future is here. And I've heard that said a lot of times as well. And I think big data with the enhanced connectivity of 5G and the smarter connected devices. And of course, with all of us as consumers spending more and more of our time online, I think probably is the time for big data. I won't ask you, but I'm always horrified when my iPhone tells me every week just how much time I've spent on every single app that I have on my phone. I think it's a clear demonstration that as consumers, that is becoming where we play a, a great deal of our, our life. You know, it's going to be key in understanding this new norm. And with more data, that you're talking about enormous amounts of data, comes the challenge of how do we interpret it, right? How do we understand what it's telling us? And I think this obviously leads on to um, machine learning, another term we've heard. Yes, absolutely. So where does machine learning fit into this? Machine learning is without a doubt going to be able to bring meaningful insights from the big data that is being collated. And I think quite clearly, this is, is probably an inception point, right? Between today's consumer experiences and those we're going to see in the future, I think all of these things coming together here are going to start to drive that change. And, you know, it's going to be the key battleground for those who harness the power of the big data and the machine learnings. Quite frankly, I think they're probably going to win through. But I do feel as though your listeners might be thinking, look, hey, Darren's on here talking about technology and um, we're really impressed that he's never once mentioned blockchain or maybe asking why I haven't mentioned blockchain. Well, here it comes um, for those listeners who uh, may be um, muting that point. I'm not going to go into detail around blockchain. I think it just would be a miss of me to have a conversation like this without mentioning it. I think it could have a podcast series of its own and there are plenty of them out there. But the one thing I just wanted to say about blockchain is I think it is very clear that it will have a significant part to play in whatever the future of payments is. Absolutely. And the future of payments looks very much around the digital payments landscape. You know, that's one of the key areas. And security is a huge topic as well because of that. And maybe one to cover in another episode, but in a future where commerce is practically invisible, what do you see as the underlying market trends 
that are shaping the digital payments landscape. Well, I mean, it was already mentioned, right, in recent times, we've seen um, an unprecedented shift to digital. I think in the last two years, we've probably seen more change in the last two years than we were probably expecting to see over the next five. And at the moment, we're not seeing anything that's indicating that that's slowing down. I think, in fact, probably the opposite, right? Demand continues to increase, whether it's consumers or merchants, you know, and of course, we have continued competition from both incumbents and new new players. So I think with the concentration of this e-commerce, it's possible we'll see potentially, and, you know, maybe um, controversially, but we'll probably see a disproportionate benefit for large digital marketplaces because they're going to be really well placed to offer increasingly wide suite of payment products and services. So I certainly think that's um, we need to watch quite closely. And I also think another thing is we'll see some strong growth in, in lower cost digital acceptance and alternative payment rails and credit models. You know, was, These are gaining traction. And I think we've already spoken about buy now, pay later. And it's a good example, I think, of what's to come. So look at open banking again. And I keep saying this probably, you know, me saying something we've um, heard about for a long time will be trending um, sometime soon. But um, open banking, it will be used as a catalyst for greater choice and to introduce new service providers and payments and banking as a service. It's going to accelerate the the pace of innovation across all verticals. In fact, I was at a session yesterday where I heard, you know, someone up on stage who said just that. Now, in fairness, they um, are a founder of a banking as a service solution. But I think they're right that, you know, we will start to see embedded finance starting to play a real key part on it. So I think, you know, finally, with all this kind of innovation and this growth, it's inevitable that we're probably going to find ourselves with under the, the, the eye of increased scrutiny, I would say. I think that's probably like, I'm sure you agree with that, right? I mean, there's a lot of uh, change there. And, you know, as we know, as things become large and become successful and impact many lives in scrutiny, um, increases. And we're already seeing nationalisation of payments becoming a competitive issue. We see that right across the globe at the moment. You know, we've mentioned already as big data becomes mainstream, it's highly likely that we're going to see increased scrutiny and protection requirements around around that data. And some of those will be enablers and some of those potentially um, inhibitors. I think there's going to be growing, and I go back to this point I've made around digital players and the acquisitions they make, you know, I do think there's going to be a growing anti-trust scrutiny around that, um, wherever that's happening uh, around the world. So I think it's fair to say that, you know, to answer your question, that there's plenty going on at the moment that, you know, we probably need to keep a watchful eye on. Well, well, that's good to hear. I mean, and if, if you were looking ahead to the next five, five or 10 years, you know, naturally we're expecting a very quick pace of change, but that comes with the growing pressure on firms to meet regulatory and customer demands, you know, in, in different ways. And that's where I'm sure you agree innovation comes in. So given the technology and the market trends you have discussed so far, what do you predict will happen over the next five to 10 years? Luckily, I've bought my crystal ball with me. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> it tends to only work to kind of like a five-year view. So I'd love to give you a 10-year, but I think that's probably pushing my crystal ball just a little bit too far. So let's have a little look at what it's telling me. So I think, you know, let's start with digital commerce. Right? We've already spoken a great deal about that. I think that it's clear that it's going to become increasingly frictionless. We're going to get moving consumer experiences. And with the market, the growth of the marketplaces and the introduction of super apps, again, 
I think it's going to be one for, for everybody to keep an eye out for. I think we'll also see the evolution of, you know, check-in, interesting term, but check-in and check-out experiences. Now, we're going to see much more of the, and we see some of this today, right, but the pay-by-self and the one-tap, and I think we'll start seeing much more of the do-nothing checkout like you see in, in some of the Amazon stores around London at the moment. Um, I think they'll become commonplace, you know, certainly through the use of digital ID and biometrics, I really see them accelerating in what they're able to bring to, to that environment. Yeah, but there's new business models, right? So we already spoke about some of them in embedded finance, open banking. I think they really will start to enable how financial services are distributed and how they're consumed. I think the great news there is that I believe that will be driven greatly by fintechs. So hopefully, great opportunity for, for some of your listeners to be able to drive some of that, that change. I think the, the flip side of that is banks are probably, you know, they're going to embrace, they have no choice. They'll be embracing um, different distribution partners and uh, models for commoditizing you know, the data that they have because that's where the real value is. And with regards to transactional financing, right, a pause, I think, you know, a bit like the buy now, pay later stuff we see today, both in a face-to-face and an e-com environment, I think, well, it's no doubt that it will continue to take share from traditional credit lending, right? I, I just think that's probably inevitable. These ones are close to my heart because it very much falls within my role here at MasterCard, but I very much believe the expansion of the gig economy and the creator economy will result in, I think our, our numbers are saying, you know, 200 million workers driving over $2 trillion in annual disbursements. And most of that today is completely untapped. So one to watch out for and one that your listeners might want to start considering if you know they want to get ahead of the curve on that. There's there's a, a big cherry there to to um, pluck off the tree. So And then be interesting to, to see um, uh, others' view on this, but I think subscriptions and on-demand are likely to represent around 50% of overall digital commerce as we go forwards. Um, as those user experiences change, I think that that um, you know simple, simplified way of interacting is um, going to grow, um, grow in in pace and um, volume. And then I think finally on on this one here, I'd say that you know sustainability and other purpose led products. We're at the beginning of, of of that journey, but I think without a doubt they will drive consumer loyalty and demand for issuers, etc. So. I think all of that probably brings us on to the final part right here, which is around payment types. Yep. So what does that mean for new and emerging transaction flows then? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And, you know, I'll I'll maybe come back in five years time and see how accurate this crystal ball has has produced um, the answers today. But I think flexible payment options such as buy now, pay later, my view, I think they'll double in volume from what we see today. So I'm sure some of your listeners will be delighted with that. Others may be slightly terrified, but I do think that, you know, that that's going to continue to grow. P2P, person-to-person payments are going to become probably one of the biggest drivers of consumer engagement in digital payments just because, you know, I, I just think they will. And I think also alongside that, micropayments, it's time for it to go large. I think it's um, driven by, you know, the things we've spoken about this afternoon, Internet of Things, social business models, pay on demand, you know, 
it's time for micropayments to really start to ramp up the volume that we see. And then fast ACH, right? It's going to become ubiquitous and, and gain ground in, in retail payments. I think that's unquestionable. Um, and I think we're going to see, see, see a lot more of it. And just one final prediction. Um, and um, again, I left this till last because I'm sure people are banging their fists on the desk to say, I can't believe Darren hasn't mentioned digital currencies. But again, here it comes. So I think, you know, there's no doubt digital currencies are, are here to stay. I think they will gain momentum. I think as it is today, mainly through investment and people wanting to invest in crypto because it's interesting and, you know, they think that, they, that they're they going to be a million millionaire by this time next year, probably, you know, that type of thing. Um, but I think over time, um, what we'll see is um, that, that those digital um, currencies much more in general payments and, and commerce as, as we go forward. So, you know, that that's what I'm seeing unfolding over the next kind of five years. Um, like I say, I'm very happy to come back and see if they test the time. And if they don't, maybe I'll be asked to take early retirement, but we, we shall see. Or we'll just have to buy you a new crystal ball. <laughs> I'm liking that idea far better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think your crystal ball has mentioned already quite a few things going on over the next five years, which I'm sure will, will keep us busy and definitely would like to have you return in 2027 uh, to see how, how true all of those predictions were. But until then, I'm sure all of this will keep us very, very busy and give us things to consider as we go ahead with our business strategies. Thanks, Darren. It's been lovely having you and having this chat. I'm sure it will be a conversation that continues for a very long time. So you have heard it here, listeners. Darren believes payment types, business models and interfaces will all evolve. This inevitable quantum leap that will change commerce and payments as technologies merge and data is shared will be trends to watch and implement in our business strategies. So thank you, Darren, for all your insight and join us again soon for our next episode of the Payments Pod.